Well, welcome back. Uh, this is session four of understanding and embracing our prayer assignments as a church. And you remember over the last uh, four sessions, we've been talking about what we believe God has called us to in regards to prayer as a church and a body of believers here at Christian Life in the city we live in, Columbia, South Carolina. Our goal over these four sessions has been for us to be able to understand our prayer assignments as a church body more deeply as we discuss the Father's heart expressed to the city that we live in. And uh, I just want to remind you that each week we're taking a segment of the 14. So we're on the last four prayer assignments. It's easier to eat an elephant one bite at a time, right? So we're just eating this elephant one bite at a time and we're on the last set of four. And each week we're looking at what it means to pray for these assignments, how we pray for them, and what results we can expect when we pray for them. Those are some pretty important questions. Um, sometimes the what is also the who. Who makes up uh, these prayer assignments and prayer topics that we're talking about? Uh, in the first session, we talked about culture and ethos, which would include our assignments of praying for awakening, that spiritual awakening, awakening to uh, life in Christ, what it means to be a part of his family, reconciliation and unity and signs and wonders. In our second session, we looked at leadership and structure, which would include our prayer assignments of praying for pastors. Now, remember, we pray for pastors in this house, but we also pray for local pastors, and we pray for pastors around the nation and the world as the Lord puts them on our heart. And you'll see even our prayer assignment, Wednesday prayer priority tonight, is focused on local churches in our area. We also pray for church ministries and for government in this part of leadership and structure. On the, in the third session, we talked about praying for the blessing of family, which would include our prayer assignments to pray for families, children, widows and orphans. Uh, the Bible calls orphans fatherless, so you can substitute that word if you'd like, and the persecuted church. And we, we talked about why those were a part of our family and why they were important to pray for our brothers and sisters around the world who are being persecuted for their faith in Jesus. Tonight, we're going to be looking uh, at the segment of prayer assignments called Looking Outward. These would be things outside of the church family, outside of the household of faith, outside of God's kingdom. And they would include these four, the lost or those who do not know Jesus Christ as personal Lord and Savior, the community, um, and you might live in a different community. You may not be in Columbia City proper. You might be in Blythewood or Irmo or Lexington or Elgin or uh, somewhere close by. But what community you're in, I believe the Lord set you there for a reason. We'll talk about that in a minute. World missions, that's the evangelization of the lost around the world in every nation, every tribe, every culture. And then praying for Israel. Uh, there's a special place in God's heart for Israel, and we're going to talk about that tonight. That's one of our prayer assignments. So let's get started. When we pray, looking outward for the lost, our community, world missions, and Israel, we really need to tap into the Father's heart because he is willing that none should perish, but that all would receive everlasting or eternal life with him. And when we look beyond the four walls of our church, when we look beyond our place of ministry or service or worship, we realize there is a world out there that needs to hear about Jesus. There is a world that needs to see a representative of the kingdom of God. And guess what? We're it. You're it and I'm it. 
where you work, where you serve, where you play, uh, where you spend time with family, where you gather with friends. That is the place where God has called you uh, to be a representative for his kingdom. So let's look at our four prayer assignments tonight and let's answer those three questions. What does it mean to pray for the lost? And in some instances, who are those when we pray for the lost? Well, in your notes, you'll see there under letter A, number one, the lost. We're asking the Lord to make us more aware of unbelievers. Those are people who have not trusted in Jesus Christ to forgive their sins and to lead their life. They do not have a relationship with the creator of the universe who loves them more than they could ever love themselves. And we're asking God to highlight those people to us with whom he's working on their hearts to receive his salvation. How many of you know every piece of fruit isn't ripe all the time? There are times when some is green or new and it's not quite ready to pick, but there are other uh, low-hanging fruits or fruits that are ripe and ready. The, the branch, they're full and the branches are low to the ground. You know that it's ripe in time for picking. When we pray for the lost, we're asking the Lord to show us what hearts are ready to receive the message of the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's where we want to let her be, make ourselves available to those who are far from God. But we don't necessarily have to cross the ocean to do that. I believe the Lord has given us a sphere of influence. Each one of us has an opportunity to connect with the people that are closest to us. That could be your family, your friends, your co-workers, your neighbors, uh, your bowling team, uh, whatever that looks like. We have a sphere of influence and being willing and ready with the help of the Holy Spirit to give a reason for the hope that is within us because of our relationship with Jesus. So we're saying, Lord, would you make me aware of not just people I know in church that know you, but make me aware of the lost, make me aware of those in my sphere of influence that you're highlighting that are ready to receive from you, and then give me the words to say so that I can be a tangible witness to someone at my job or my school or in my neighborhood. 1 Peter 3.15 says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. That's a prayer I pray regularly for myself, for our church. Lord, give us divine appointments where we are living life for you under your authority and power, full of your spirit, where our life looks different than everyone else. And it provokes a question. What, what's different about your life? What's different about your response to the news or conversation around the water cooler or issues at school? Uh, why do you respond differently? I want to know more about uh, how you're living and, and what you're believing in. Those are the questions that we want to be asked and the scripture gives us an answer. Be ready. Be prepared for that conversation. Share the hope that's within you. When we pray for community, this is what it means when we are prayed for our community. We are placed in a neighborhood, a job, or a school by divine purpose. See, you thought you bought that house in that neighborhood because it was a good deal or it was big enough for your family. But guess what? There is a greater purpose for you buying that house in that neighborhood. Um, you thought that, hey, I'll get, a, I'll get good benefits or a better pay raise at this job, but... There's a higher purpose. God knew he needed you to be there to represent him well. And God places us in neighborhoods, jobs, and schools by divine purpose. He sets us in communities because he desires us to be representatives of his kingdom 
and to influence them for good. We're to influence them. We're to season them with the salt and the savor of our lives because we're connected to the king of the kingdom that we serve and live as a part of. In our community, there's an infrastructure, and I'm not talking about roads and schools and buildings and bridges. I'm talking about the infrastructure of people that we want to focus on when we're praying for our communities. We're praying for teachers, school administrators, coaches, guidance counselors, and members of school boards. We're praying for first responders like police officers, firefighters, emergency medical technicians, and for those who serve in the military. And we're also praying for local leaders like mayors and city councils and the like, business owners and those in authority. That's the infrastructure of what makes up your community. So if you want to do a research project and say, Lord, who am I to pray for? Or how am I to live a life as a representative of your kingdom? It'd be good to know who these people are. It'd be good to know how to contact them. It'd be good to know how to encourage them and be a part of their life and touch their life for the kingdom of God. In praying for world missions, this is what we're praying for. Jesus commanded that we go into all the world and preach the good news and make disciples. Matthew's gospel, there's a typo in your notes. It should be 28, 19 and 20. It says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's the heart of the Father for those who are far from him. He gives us a commission. He gives us a charge, an assignment to go and preach the gospel and make disciples. And I love the, the, my favorite part of that verse. Yes, we have a task, but look at the last part. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He doesn't send us out to do it alone. He goes with us. He goes before us. He comes behind us. He prepares the way. He prepares hearts. He opens doors. It's all about our connection and relationship with him. And he's never just sending us out and saying, good luck with that. He said, I'll be right there with you. Whoever you talk to, wherever you go, I'll be right there. In, in praying for world missions, we also, the what of that is Jesus desires every nation, tribe, and tongue to have access to the good news and to become his inheritance. Did you know it's not just to fill heaven, but it's to fill heaven because that's Jesus' inheritance? We are his inheritance. He's our inheritance, but we're his inheritance. And we want to give him the best inheritance that we can as our Lord and Savior. Also, one thing to remember in this as we're praying for world missions, men, women, boys, and girls are still being called to serve on the mission field. They're still being called to foreign soil. They're still being called to another language or another culture because there are still people who have not yet heard the name of Jesus. We'll be emphasizing that more as a church uh, in the end part of the year around November, and you'll understand that more if you're new to Christian life. But missions is huge, and we believe that God wants us to take part in what it looks like to get that message out to everyone. So that's one of the things we pray for. That's one of the what's we're praying for in regards to world missions is who is God touching who is God calling? Who is God sending, especially in these end times, to share that good news? And then lastly, we pray for Israel. 
Why do we say that's uh, looking outward? Because Israel's another country. It's another culture. It's another people group. But they are close to us and that they're a part of the biblical account. And let me just say this. Many churches and Christians have written Israel off. They've said, oh, Israel doesn't matter. They blew it and God moved on. No, Israel is still a part of God's plan. Letter A in your notes, Israel is special to God and a part of his plan to redeem the whole earth. Deuteronomy 14.2, if you go to the Old Testament, it says, For you are a holy people unto the Lord your God, and the Lord has chosen you to be a peculiar people unto himself above all the nations that are upon the earth. Now, does that mean he loves Israel more than he loves us? No, it just means they had a special place in his plan. And if we look back in those Old Testament passages, we realize that God wanted a relationship with a nation who would be so surrendered to him that all the other nations around them, though bigger, though stronger, though mightier, though they had more resources, more people, they would see the hand of God on this nation and it would provoke them to say, who is this God you serve? So Israel had a purpose and has a purpose today. Letter B, God has not given up on Israel even though she has not recognized Jesus as Messiah. And let me encourage you, church family, do not give up on Israel. The story is not over. Uh, the, the, the history is yet to unfold, and God will redeem those who call him Lord and follow his lead. They will one day recognize Jesus as the Messiah. Romans eleven twenty five through 27 says, I don't want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in or has been saved. And so all Israel will be saved. True Israelites, whether ethnic or spiritual, as it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will turn godlessness away from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Now, make no mistake, Israel has to bow the knee to Jesus. They have to receive him as Messiah. It's not a cultural or ethnic salvation. It is a will bowing and submitting to the Father's Son, Jesus. But if those in Israel will do that, they will be saved. And that's our prayer. When we pray for Israel, we're praying for them to be saved. And we'll talk about how to pray for them in just a moment. So let's look at these four prayer points and how we pray for the lost, how we pray for our community, how we pray for missions, and how we pray for Israel. Well, you're going to hear it one more time from me. We pray the scripture. We start with the word of God. It has to be a biblical foundation because that is coming from the Father's heart. Remember what I said last week. If we pray our ideas or our opinions, we'll go astray. It's got to be founded on God's word. Pray that God would remove the blinding influence of Satan. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says, In their case, the God, little g, of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So even Paul, writing to the church in Corinth, is saying, there's a blindness that Israel has experienced, and we're praying for that blindness to be lifted. We also pray that God would grant the lost repentance, and they would come to Christ. Jesus said to him, I am the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There, sadly, there are some teachings out today that says there's many ways to heaven. There's many ways to eternal bliss. But there's only one way to the Father, our Creator, and that's through His Son, Jesus. So when we're praying over the lost, we have to be reminded of that. 
it, it's a broad way that leads to destruction. It's a narrow gate and path that leads to our Savior. Number three, under the lost, as we pray the scriptures, we pray for conviction of sin by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it talks about this in John 16, 8 through 11. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin, righteousness, and judgment. That's the Holy Spirit when he comes. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Jesus is saying the Holy Spirit has a role in bringing people to the truth. And we are praying for conviction of sin by the power of the Holy Spirit. And let me just say this. If you and I can convince a sinner that they're lost, someone else uh, that might be an atheist or a Buddhist or, or anyone else can come along and convince them that they're not. And so the Holy Spirit's work is to do that. We're not called to convict people of sin. The Holy Spirit is, and that's why we're praying, Holy Spirit, do your work in the hearts of those who are far from you so that they can see their need for you. When we pray for the community, this is how we pray for them. We pray the scriptures, pray for blessings in our city or town, township. Psalm 65, 9 through 1. You care for the land and water it. You enrich it abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water to provide the people with grain. For so you have ordained it. You drench its furrows and level its ridges. You soften it with showers and bless its crops. You crown the year with your bounty and your carts overflow with abundance. We can pray for blessing and abundance in our city. We can also pray for our town or city to be a place of justice. Now let me just remind you, we could pray a hundred things for our city. I'm just giving you a sampling of how to look at the scripture and begin to pray over our community. Look at the scripture and begin to know how to pray over the lost. So we can pray for our city or town to be a place of justice. Proverbs 29.4, by justice, a king gives a country stability, but one who is greedy for bribes tears it down. You might say, well, how do you pray for that? Lord, would you allow there to be no corruption and bribery in our community so that justice is served and is served swiftly, so that there is no uh, criminal activity, there's no loss of life, uh, there's no families that are uh, afraid to live where they live because the community is humming and running on all cylinders like it should. Jeremiah 9.24 says, But let him who boasts, boast about this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth, for in these I delight. You might say, well, how would I pray that scripture? Lord, would you allow our mayor, would you allow our city council members, would you allow those who are in leadership over our community to exercise kindness? And justice to show your character and to do righteous acts on the earth because we know you delight in those. It's very simple. You just pray the scripture back to the Lord based on what he's showing you in that moment. And then pray for our city leaders to operate in wisdom. Proverbs 8, 15 to 17. By me, this is wisdom talking, kings reign and rulers make laws that are just. By me, princes govern and all nobles who rule on earth. I love those who love me and those who seek me find me. Lord, let our leaders in our community find wisdom. Let them do the right thing. Let them love you and in loving you, fear you so that they know what wisdom is and know what righteousness is. Those are ways we can pray. How do we pray for world missions? 
Well, we pray that God would open doors of gospel ministry to the unreached. Colossians 4.3, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. This is Paul. He's writing a letter to the church in Colossae and he's saying, hey, pray for us. We need an open door and we believe God sent us here and we want him to allow us to walk through it so we can declare the mystery of Christ. Number two, how do we pray for world missions? Pray for missionaries to present the gospel boldly and clearly. Can you imagine going to another culture or another language group and not being able to speak their language at first? I know you have to go to language school and all those things, but it's very scary. And we need the Holy Spirit to touch our missionaries to be bold in their faith to share the truth of God's word and to be wise about that. Ephesians 6, 19 says, Pray also for me that the words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. And then number three, pray for missionaries to endure hardship as good soldiers of Jesus Christ. We see that in 2 Timothy. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. How do we pray for Israel? Well, there's several scriptures here. Pray for Jewish eyes to be opened and for Israel to be saved. You can find that in Romans 10, Romans 11, and Matthew 23. We can pray for the peace of Jerusalem, found in Psalm 122, verses 6 through 9. We can pray for God to raise up watchmen and intercessors who will stand in the gap for Jerusalem, for Israel, and the Jewish people. We see that in Isaiah 62. Pray for Israel to walk in her fullness as a blessing to all the nations of the earth. You can pray that out of Genesis 12 and Isaiah 19. And pray for believers around the world to receive revelation and understanding of God's heart for Israel. Why is it important to pray that? Because if we know what God feels about something, we align ourselves with his will and his way, and we begin to, to follow suit with that. So what are some results we can expect when we pray for the lost? Well, it may seem obvious, but let me just hit on a couple of here. In just a minute, our hearts are more aware of people around us who do not know Jesus as the forgiver of their sins and the leader of their lives. You're not just going to go to Walmart anymore and it be a quick, let me get the gallon of milk and run back home. You're going to begin to see people the way Jesus sees people. And you're going to begin to see the way the Holy Spirit is highlighting hearts to you that says, this woman's ready, this man's ready, this child needs to know the risen and living Savior. There's also a greater motivation that comes and urgency to share our personal testimony of how Jesus has and is continuing to transform us. Um, I would encourage you to dust off your testimony. What does that mean? You may not have shared it in a long time. And let me just say this, testimonies aren't just for church. You need to be ready to share your faith story with someone at work, with someone in your neighborhood. Tell them what Jesus has done for you how he's met your needs, how he's cleaned your life, how he's cleansed you from sin, made you whole, uh, healed you from sickness. Uh, the list can go on and on, but dust those testimonies off and be ready to share them because I believe as we begin to pray for the lost, God's going to give us opportunities to speak to the lost and we need to have something to say. So I want to encourage you to dust those testimonies off. Many will begin to come to faith in Christ and we will see numerical and spiritual growth in the local church. And that doesn't just mean our church. It means the church in Columbia 
Because when people start coming to Christ, guess what? Our church isn't going to be big enough to hold them all. We need the church, Big C, to come together and disciple all those who are coming into the kingdom. Those are some of the results we can expect when praying for the lost. What about our community? Well, I believe when we pray for our community that markers and statistics for our city will begin to turn favorable. I believe that rates of homicide, suicide, mental illness, unemployment, domestic violence, and truancy will begin to turn toward a positive trend. We can actually measure it and see the change as we begin to pray. Um, just a quick story. Uh, you've heard of Dick Eastman, and we say his quote all the time. Things happen when we pray that otherwise wouldn't happen if we didn't pray. And we don't want anything to go undone in the lives of those people that we love. So we pray for them. They did a, um, an experiment. It was non-scientific, but they said, okay, we're going to pray for this neighborhood. This half of the street, we're not going to pray for. And this half of the street, we're going to pray for every house. And then we're going to go back and visit door to door and see what happens. Guess what? Everybody on this side of the street either weren't home or they weren't interested in anything they had to say. But just about every home on this side of the street that was prayed over welcomed them in, opened the door, took their literature, let them pray with them at the door. It's amazing what happens when we pray. And we should be able to see a marked difference in our community when we lift them up before the Lord. We also want to see civil servants feeling honored and doing their job well with minimal casualties and needless loss of life. Uh, I believe that can happen in a city when we pray for our community. We also believe that the results in a city that resources will be used effectively and efficiently, taxes will be reduced as the needs of the community are met. Now, you'd say, well, that'd be a miracle, wouldn't it? It would. But I'm telling you, when we put God first and we do things His way and we pray that preferred future for our city, our community, those around us, things like this can happen. And we are desiring for the Lord's plan to unfold as we seek Him for our community. What can we expect when we pray for world missions? Well, guess what? Doors will be open for the gospel to be spread in closed nations. Indigenous leaders or people from the culture that we're praying for will continually be raised up to lead the church in their nation in light of their culture. And the end time harvest will be gathered in as prophesied in Revelation. Those are some things we can count on when we pray for world missions. And what does it look like? What are the results that come about when we pray for Israel? Let me just hit these quickly in the few minutes we have left. The eyes of the Jews will be open to see the resurrected and living Christ. That will be an amazing sight to see. Israel will rest in the protection of Yahweh. Israel will walk in her fullness as a blessing to all the nations of the earth. And those who bless Israel and pray for her will find security in God's protection. Psalm 122.6. Let me close with this verse. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. Let's close in prayer tonight. Father, thank you for this lesson on praying for those beyond the four walls of the church, looking outward to those who are far from you, looking outward to those in our community that we rub shoulders with, that we know teachers, educators, police officers, firefighters, our mayor, city council members. 
Lord, as we pray for world missions and as we pray for Israel, we thank you that you take our prayers seriously. And Lord, I just ask that you'd give us a higher view of prayer than we already have. That we would see that it works. It's your desire that we connect with you and connect with your heart and ask you for what is impossible to do in the flesh is not impossible for our great and mighty God. So Lord, thank you for prayer. Thank you for showing us these assignments that you've called us to as a church. And Lord, thank you for giving us a heart for them. Some of them we may not have understood or didn't know much about. But Lord, I believe over these last four sessions, as people have watched and listened online or have been in the live uh, recording, Lord, you've begun to touch hearts and prayers have begun to be prayed for neighbors and family members and co-workers. And Lord, we believe that there's going to be a great harvest. So thank you for all that you're doing in and through us. Thank you for the power of prayer, the privilege of prayer to connect with you and the purpose of prayer to keep us dependent on you. Lord, may we never get too big for our britches, but may we always lean into your grace, your faithfulness, and your goodness, especially in regards to prayer. We ask you this in the strong and precious name of Jesus. Amen.